Mark 11, 23 and 24. And if you were in those services, uh, Jesus was walking along with the disciples and uh, he wanted something to eat and there wasn't anything to eat on the fig tree. So he cursed it. He said, no one will eat fruit from you again. They went back the next day and the tree had died and uh, the disciples had noticed it. And they said, hey, Lord, that tree's dead. And then he said, hey, guys, uh, my words have authority and so do yours. And then he gave the instructions in Mark eleven twenty three and 24. And he told them, he said, hey, guys, if you have mountains in your life, everybody's got mountains in their life, right? I've got them. You've got them. He said, if you've got mountains into your, in your life, speak to your mountain. That's what he said in Mark eleven twenty three. 23. He said, if you'll tell your mountain to be cast into the sea and, and don't doubt in your heart, then what you say will come to pass. Then he said in the next verse, and when you pray, what, whatever you need, whatever you desire, he said, what things soever you desire when you pray, believe you receive it and you'll have it. This morning, I want to kind of take the next step in talking about how your words have power, how the words of Jesus have power. And I want to read a story to you out of the New Testament. And it's the story about Jesus and the centurion. And so what I'd like to do is I'd like to start in Luke 7 this morning. There are 10 verses to this story. I want to just read you the story, and I want you to listen to it as I read it. Excuse me. And then after we get done reading it, I'm going to show show you some things in it. So let me begin. Now, when he concluded all his sayings in the hearing of the people, he entered Capernaum. And a certain centurion's servant who was dear to him was sick and ready to die. So he heard about Jesus. He sent elders of the Jews to him, pleading with him to come and heal his servant. And when they came to Jesus, they begged him earnestly, saying that the one for whom he should do this was deserving, for he loves our nation, and he's built us a synagogue. Then Jesus went with them. And when he was already not far from the house, the centurion sent friends and said to him, Lord, do not trouble yourself. I'm not worthy that you should enter under my roof. Therefore, I did did not even think myself worthy to come to you. But say the word, and my servant will be healed. For I also am a man placed under authority. I have soldiers under me, and I say go, and they go. And to another I say come, and he comes. And to my servant do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard these things, he marveled at him. And he turned around and said to the crowd that followed him, I say to you, I have not found such great faith, not even in Israel. And those who were sent returned to the house, and they found the servant well who had been sick. A centurion was a leader in the Roman army. He was a professional soldier. And he had anywhere between 200 and 1,000 men under his authority. He would maybe be like a general or something. He had, he had authority. He had power. And he lived in Capernaum. And he had heard about Jesus. And he had a servant that worked in his house that was sick. And he wasn't just sick. He was dying. So he went to the elders of the church in town, the synagogue, and said, hey, would you guys go and find Jesus for me? And would you bring him and uh, have him pray for my servant and take care of him? They said, sure. 
So they went and found Jesus, and they said, hey, there's a centurion, and he loves us. He loves Israel, and he's built us a synagogue, and would you please come and pray for his servant who's dying? He said, oh, absolutely, I will. So as he starts on the journey to the house, another group of men meet him on the way, and it's the friends of this centurion. And they say, hey, the master wants you to know that he didn't come because he felt like he wasn't even worthy to come. And then he wants you to know you don't even have to come to the house because you don't need to even come in under his roof because he doesn't feel worthy. And he wants you to understand that if you'll just say the word, if you'll just speak that the servant's healed, he'll be healed. You don't even have to come to the house. You don't have to come lay hands on him. You don't have to come pray for him. You don't have to come talk to him. You just say it, and it'll be done. And it says that Jesus was astounded. He mar- it says he marveled, and that he turned to the crowd, and here's what he said. I have never in my life seen a person with such great faith as this centurion And that includes every single person in Israel. In the nation of Israel, I've never run into anybody that has more faith than this centurion. It says that he marveled. He was astounded by it. Then it says that when they got to the house, of course, the servant was already healed and already taken care of. Now, I want you to see a couple of amazing things powerful truths in this story. The centurion sends the servants, and here's what they say. You don't have to come because he doesn't feel worthy. Now, I want you to understand what he's saying. He's not saying that he doesn't feel worthy in a bad way. What he's being is humble. All right, this man has a thousand men under his command. He knows who he is. Listen, only people who know who they are are humble. You see, when you know who you are in Christ, when you know your heavenly Father, when you know what belongs to you, humility is easy. It wasn't a false humility. He isn't like saying, oh, I'm not worthy in a bad way. He's saying, hey, I know who I am, and I know who you are, and he was humble. Now, here's the thing. This Roman centurion was a Gentile. He was not a Jew. We're not Jews. We're Gentiles. Now, we may be different races, but we're Gentiles. That's how they would, the Jews would categorize us. And he was an outsider. What do you mean by that, Pastor? He was outside of the Jewish nation. He was outside of Israel. He was not a Jew, and he was not part of Israel. But here's the amazing thing. He recognized who Jesus was. The Jews did not recognize who Jesus was, their own, but an outsider recognized who Jesus was. Part of the reason he did was because he was humble. Now, I want to read a verse to you in Ephesians, and I want to show you something pretty amazing. This is Ephesians 2.11. Now, Stay with me. Let me read it to you, and I'll explain it to you. Listen to what it says. Therefore, 
Remember that you once Gentiles in the flesh, that's us, we're Gentiles, who are called uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision made in the flesh by hands. All right. When he uses the word circumcision, he's referring to Jews. When he uses the word uncircumcision, he's referring to us. Listen to what he says. That at that time you were without Christ, aliens from the commonwealth of Israel, strangers from the covenants of the promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Let me show you something amazing. This centurion was outside of Israel. He was not a Jew. And the Bible says that he was without God and without hope. You and I were the same way. Then Jesus came. And when Jesus came, it says his blood brought you and I near to the Father. The Bible says in the New Testament that we were grafted in. Another place in the Bible, it says that we've been adopted. Now, don't miss this. You and I were outside of God, outside of the covenant of Israel, and we had no hope and we had no help. That was before Jesus. Then you heard the gospel. I heard the gospel. I said yes to Jesus Christ. I said yes to his sacrifice. And I was brought into the kingdom. I was adopted into the house. You were adopted. And you were made sons. And you were made daughters. And you were brought near. You had a place at the table with your name on it. Now, before that happened, we were aliens and we were outside of God, but we're not now. Here's the amazing thing about the centurion. He was outside the covenant, but he recognized Jesus for who he was. The reason he did was because he understood authority. Now, this is so powerful and so amazing. Here's what the servant told Jesus. Hey, the boss says for you just to say the word. Now, don't miss this. Just say the word. What do you mean? Just say that he's healed and he'll be healed. You don't have to come. You don't have to touch him. You don't have to have Bible study. You don't have to preach. You don't have to do anything. You just say the word and it'll be done. Wow. Now, he recognized that when Jesus said something, it happened. He recognized Jesus was the Son of God. He recognized that Jesus had authority. He recognized that he had power. And he approached him in a humble way. And he recognized the authority. Not only did he recognize it, but he honored it. Now, the Jews did not do that. See, the Jews questioned his authority. They came to him and they said, hey, uh, by whose authority are you doing what you're doing? <clears throat> they questioned his authority. And he said, well, he said, let me ask you a question and I'll answer your question. 
He said, by whose authority has John the Baptist done what he's done? And so them being religious politicians, they got together and they said, well, if we say that he was from God, then he'll ask us how come we didn't do what he said. But if we say he's not from God, it'll make the people mad and they'll kill us. So they said, well, we don't know. And Jesus said, well, then I'm not going to answer your question either. The Jews questioned his authority. The centurion recognized it and honored it. And when he did, he knew who he was. The second thing that he did not do was he did not disqualify himself. Every promise in the Bible belongs to you. Carlos, every promise in the Word of God belongs to you. Any promise you find in the Bible, you can have it. You go to your daddy, your heavenly father, daddy, and you say, hey, daddy, I found a promise. Can I have it? You know what he's going to say? You sure can. I was at a store in Amarillo yesterday with Vicky and, and uh, doing a little shopping, and this lady came in with this little girl that was a grandmother and her little daughter and little granddaughter, and and, and she went by this little counter with gum, the little girl, and she picked up the gum, and she just didn't even miss a beat. And the grandma turned around and said, no, put it back. Well, I'm just standing there being myself, you know. <laughs> and, and she looked up at her, and she said, come on, Mimi. And then I said, come on, Mimi. <laughs> it was good. It was good. And that lady said, no, put it back. Well, she had to go over and put it back. And, you know, and she, she, I'm not saying she didn't get her something later or whatever, but she didn't get her that. Listen, anytime you find a promise in the word of God, God says you can have it. Now, there's a verse. It says the promises of God are yes and amen in Jesus. All right, but here's what we do. And here's what the centurion did not do. We can disqualify ourselves from the promises. And here's how it happens. The devil will show up and he'll remind you of your past. And he'll remind you of something you said or did maybe this morning on the way to church, right? Have y'all ever had some of the best fights in your married life on the way to church, right? Right? I mean, it's like the devil rides with you to church, Right? And then you have to bring her in and get her a latte, right? I mean, that was good. That was, I'm sorry, lady. I'm playing. I'm playing. I'm playing. Yeah, the devil shows up and he'll remind you of what you've done today or 10 years ago. And he'll tell you God doesn't love you and you don't get that promise and you're disqualified. Or you do it to yourself. Sometimes the devil doesn't have to do anything to us because we do it plenty good to ourselves. And you'll disqualify yourself from the promises of God when Jesus has already qualified you by dying on the cross and being raised from the dead and ascending into heaven. The centurion did not disqualify himself. He came with a humble heart. The Jews weren't humble. The centurion was. Can I just encourage you this morning? One of the most powerful traits you can develop in your life is a heart of humility. You remember the rich young ruler when he came to Jesus? 
And he told Jesus, I've kept the law from my youth. He extolled his uh, attributes. He didn't come humbly. He came and talked about how he'd done everything right. And Jesus said, well, great. Sell everything you have and give it to the poor and follow me. And it says he went away sad. The centurion came humbly. The rich young ruler came pridefully. But now here's the amazing thing about Jesus. He didn't reject him or turn him away, the rich young ruler. He said, hey, give what you have to the poor and follow me. Do you realize that he missed the best business deal anybody's ever been offered in humanity? That the son of God said, hey, if you'll give what you have away, come follow me and I'll take care of you. What? He missed out on that opportunity? The centurion came humbly and he recognized who Jesus was. And here's what he says. I love, this is so good. He says, I also am a man under authority. Now, here's what he didn't say. Hey, I'm the boss. I'm the big kahuna. I got a thousand guys under me. And when I tell them to do something, they're going to do it. He didn't do that. You know what he said? He said, I'm a man under authority. I have people that I'm over but then I have people who are over me. And he says, I also am a man under authority, just like you, Jesus, are a man under authority. And when I say something needs to be done, it's done. And when you say something needs to be done, it's done because I recognize I have authority and I recognize you have authority. Now, here's the crazy thing. I don't mean this mean. You know, sometimes we don't think God's word's any good because ours is not. And we don't always do everything we say we're going to do. <clears throat> and there's times sometimes that we, I've been guilty of it, that we don't always keep our word. Listen, Jesus keeps his word. Mark eleven twenty three said, if you'll talk to your mountain, your mountain will be removed. He keeps his word. The centurion said, if you'll come to my house and you'll speak it, it'll be done. You don't have to come to my house. It'll be done. He recognized Jesus' authority. Then Jesus said, you've got huge faith. Now, here's what I want you to see. Here's how I want to help you. If you'll dare to believe the Word of God, if you'll dare to read the Bible and say, if God said it, that settles it, and it's done, if Jesus said that's mine, then it's mine. If you'll recognize that Jesus has authority, then you recognize he's delegated that authority to you. You know what he told the disciples? He said, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Now, please don't miss that. Jesus said, all authority... All authority is mine. So anybody else that says they have any authority, if it hasn't been delegated to them from Jesus, then that makes them illegitimate. Can I read you a verse? I want to read to you out of 1 Corinthians 10, 19. 1 Corinthians 10 is talking about idol worship. When the Jews would go to Walmart to get groceries... There would be a section of meat that was always really cheap, 75% off. And you could buy a steak or some hamburger or a pork chop, and it was really cheap. 
The only problem was is that the uh, Gentiles who were idol worshipers had used that meat and offered it as a sacrifice to their idols. Okay, they didn't burn it. They didn't get it dirty. They didn't throw it in the floor. They just went into their false gods and their altars and they offered the meat to their gods. Then when they would get done with their ceremony, they would take the meat out, take it to the marketplace and sell it cheap. You can imagine Jews did not want to eat meat offered to idols. So Paul told them, and I'm not going to read you the whole story. Paul told them, hey, when you go to the store and you're buying steak, if you don't know it's been offered to idols, buy it, roast it up, and eat it. But if you know and it offends somebody, I have me and Dennis over for dinner, and I've bought some steaks. And as we sit down and Dennis is cutting into his T-bone, I say, oh, by the way, that was offered to the idol Moloch. And he pushes the steak and says, I can't eat that. Paul said, if you know and it offends you, don't eat it. But if you don't know, man, pass the A1. <laughs> Amen? Okay, now, let me read to you what he told them. What am I saying, Dan? That an idol is anything or what is offered to idols is anything. That makes sense now, right? Because I told you that. Rather, the things which the Gentiles sacrifice, they sacrifice to demons and not to God. And I do not want you to have fellowship with demons. Now, don't miss this. This is crazy, and I know it. Anybody worshiping anything anywhere in the world outside of Jesus is actually worshiping demons. Let me read it. Don't want you to miss this. The things with the Gentiles sacrifice, they sacrifice to demons and not to God. Is that not what it says? So anybody worshiping anything anywhere in the world outside of Jesus Christ is actually demon worship. Wow. That kind of, you know, hey, come on, pastor. Right? All, all paths point to God. Apparently, that's not what Paul said. Now, why am I telling you this? Because Jesus said, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. And anybody that does not want me, anybody that does not worship me, anybody that worships other gods, they're actually worshiping demons. All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Now I want you as my sons and daughters to go with my delegated authority and talk to all those folks who are deceived and share the love of Jesus Christ with them and give them the gospel and I will empower you to do it. Listen, you've been given the authority of the name of Jesus. You've been delegated power as a Christian. The centurion knew that when Jesus said something, it happened. He told the disciples, when you say something, it's going to happen. Here's what I want to encourage you with. When you recognize that what Jesus says is true, and when you recognize that he's delegated his authority and his grace into your life to tell others, you know what's going to happen to your faith? Well, it'll skyrocket. It'll grow. It'll increase. Your relationship with God will get stronger. Your relationship and hunger for God will grow deeper. 
All you've got to do is recognize that what Jesus says something, it's going to happen. He's delegated that authority to me. And when I talk to other people, when I pray, God's listening and my words have power. Now, here's the last thing I want you to say. Because the centurion understood authority, he recognized who Jesus was. Do you you know we live in a culture that hates authority? Do Do we not? Yeah, we did. We live in a cl- I grew up, I'm a baby boomer. And baby boomers, I grew up in a generation that hated authority. Nobody was going to tell us how to wear our hair. Nobody was going to tell us what to do. I grew up in that generation of the hippie and the hippie commune and free love. And I grew up in that. Now, the only problem was I had a dad who wasn't a hippie and his son was not going to be a hippie. So, so I missed a lot of that. Okay. I mean, I, I, I was at home, not, you know, you know what I'm saying? All right, listen, here's what's amazing about this story. If you'll teach your children and your grandchildren to honor authority when they have an encounter with Jesus Christ, they'll recognize him as the Messiah. That's how powerful this is. He understood authority. And when he ran into Jesus, he knew who he was because he understood authority. The Bible says in Proverbs that if you'll train your children, you save their soul from hell. What does that mean? Well, if you help your children understand authority, and I know, hey, pastor, there's bad authority. You bet there's bad authority. But there's also righteous authority. There's also good authority. Amen? All right? I mean, you know, when I was a kid growing up, we went on vacation. Every year I grew up, and we went to Red River, New Mexico. We still go there. And we went there. My, my whole life growing up with my parents. You know why we went there? Because my dad wanted to go there. You see, I grew up in a home where the adults were in charge. I grew up in a home where the adults made the decisions, not the kids. My dad didn't ask me where I wanted to go on vacation. You know what he told me? He said, you don't go on vacation. You don't have a vacation. You don't have a job. <laughs> right? My dad said, I have a job I have a vacation, and I'm going to allow you to go with me on vacation, right? Yeah, yeah. And so, you know, it wasn't, hey, Rusty, where do you want to go? It was the same way when we ate out. Now, I've heard people say, you know, I'm not, I didn't get a menu when we ate out. The lady didn't say, here, I'm I'm sorry, when we ate out, I didn't get a menu. My dad knew what I wanted. I don't know how he knew. You know, and, and here's my thing. I've never met a biscuit I didn't like, amen? I, I, mean, you, I mean, I've never, I, right, I, it wouldn't matter what you put in front of me, I'll eat it. But when the lady would come to take the order, he ordered for me because I'm a kid. And he would say, Rusty wants a hamburger and French fries and that's, or whatever, but he ordered for me. I didn't decide. Now, here's what I want you to understand. And, and I loved my father and I miss him to this day, but he, I understood his authority, and it helped me understand and recognize Jesus when that time came in my life. The centurion recognized Jesus because he understood authority. You want your children and grandchildren to understand authority, and then when they're at youth camp or kids camp or ground zero or power kids, and they hear about Jesus, they'll recognize him as the Messiah because they recognize and they understand authority. The centurion said, you say the word and it'll be done. 
you say it, and it'll be done. Because I also am a man under authority, and I recognize you have some. And I recognize what you say goes. And when they got home, the miracle had happened. The servant who was lying at home dead was healed. Now, here's what I want you to do. I want you to recognize that when you read something in the Word of God, God means it, and you can have it. And that you recognize that Jesus has authority and what he say goes. And when you align yourself with that, your faith will grow. You speak to your mountain. You begin to declare God's promises in your life. Amen? And watch God move. Watch your faith grow. Watch yourself get stronger. Amen? Amen. Close your eyes and let me pray for you. Father God, I want to thank you this morning for this great group of people. Lord Jesus, thank you that you help us to see who we are. Help us to see what belongs to us. Help us to see that your words mean something and that our words mean something. That your words have power and our words have power because you've delegated it to us. Lord, I want every person in this room to be strengthened, to be encouraged, to be refreshed, to be renewed by your love and by your grace. Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross for us. Thank you for making a way for us to be drawn to you and to be drawn to the Father. Father God, I'm so grateful and so thankful for all that you're doing. In Jesus' name I pray. And everybody said, amen. Would you all stand please?